Well, good morning, everyone. Isn't it good to be together after all of this time, six months, and haven't we missed each other? We have, haven't we? I know you have. And uh, every time we get a chance to maybe see one another or passing in Tesco's or wherever it is, it's just, go, oh, another human being I know and like. And it's absolutely fantastic. And I know that you will want to join me in thanking the so many people who have kept our services online. Massive amount of work. I mean, Sarah has been producing it, organizing it, the filming. Gosh. I'm surprised marriages are still in one piece because the stress it is of filming, filming, and the worship, it, it is, is quite a challenge. And the editing, the production, and now being able to put this online. So hello, everybody at home watching this on live stream. All that has to be reorganized because the sound that you hear is, has to be re-engineered so that it sounds half decent at home. And, you know, the technical side of it and working with other consultants so that the, and these teams and guys and all have done an amazing job and their commitment and hard work and energy and sacrifice is brilliant and it's hugely humbling and we are the benefactors of it or the recipients of, of their hard work. So thank you so much. Yes, do give them a... It is... It is. Let me tell you one thing, and this is true, isn't it? The church has not become weaker or weakened through this season that we're in, but it has shown the caliber, the quality, the love, the strength, and we've said a million times, haven't we, that church is not a meeting on a Sunday, but it's a community, it's a living relationship, it's a family, and that has held strong through this season, and uh, I think we just want to thank God for it, and uh, give all of one of you a big pat on the back that you hold the course and uh, the best is yet to come. Now I want to speak for a few moments this morning to remind ourselves and remind you on the amazing, incredible love of God and his good desires and intentions for you personally. He is busting with plans and purposes and longings and blessings and goodness that he wants to see come into your life and through your life. His heart is full for you, absolutely full. And no matter what has happened, no matter what is happening in your life, or no matter what will happen in your life, God loves you and he longs and wants the very best for you. The very best. I think that was indicated in the very first miracle that Jesus performed in the wedding of Cana of Galilee when that young couple had had a disaster of a time when the wine had run out and Jesus just didn't give any old mediocre wine but the head wine bank, uh, banquet guy said, the best, you've given the best. And, and it speaks of God's heart, not to be mediocre with you, but it's heart that he wants the best for you and the best quality of experience that heaven can offer. And this expression often can be summed up in a nutshell, and it often is with that incredibly beautiful and inspiring and hopeful verse in Jeremiah 29, where it says, God speaking to his people corporately, 
God speaking to you individually. God saying this, I know. God saying this, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. There is no inkling of a desire in God's heart to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Well, we could do with that now. I don't know. I'm hoping this is all going to come to an end sooner or later. But plans to give you a hope and a future where we flourish and thrive. And that verse is an incredibly popular verse. In fact, I was looking at one website that said that verse has overtaken the all-time famous uh, favorite verse worldwide. It used to be John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have an everlasting life. Well, I mean, that's been number one for like centuries. But I was looking at one website that the most popular verse in the Bible now is the one I've just quoted. I know the plans I have to you. Now, to appreciate the power and the full implication and to get all of the juice out of that verse to encourage our faith, and confidence in God, it's helpful to unpack it a little bit. So let's just not just flip it out there and quote it glibly, but let's unpack it a bit so that we can really come under that word and let the power and the encouragement of God stream into our lives through it. Well, firstly, it was given by the prophet Jeremiah to Israel when they were in exile. They weren't in their promised land. They weren't living in all of the dreams and the hopes that God had promised them and planned for them, they had been exiled because they turned their backs on God and now they're in a place they'd rather not be because of their mess-ups. They were in slavery. They were in lock up. They were locked up in Babylon and they were locked out of their homeland and life as they had known it had been taken, it, taken away from them against their desire and against their will. Have you ever experienced anything like that in the last six months? Or is it just me? And this was the situation that God was speaking to Israel, his beloved people, through the prophet Jeremiah. So one thing we can learn straight away from understanding the context of that verse is, this verse cannot mean that bad or difficult things never will happen to us. It can't mean that because God has wonderful plans and futures for us, that there's stuff that just doesn't go wrong. Because if we think that, we're going to be really disappointed because we know that we love God and God loves us. We follow after him and he follows after us. And we know that in all of our lives, and lives are in the lives of amazing people that we knew, we know that stuff does go wrong. And it doesn't go as we planned or hoped for. So what does it mean? It, it doesn't mean that... Well, what, it, what, what this verse does mean is that God doesn't want harmful and destructive things for us. His desires are not to harm us, but therefore are good and a hope-filled future. So it doesn't mean nothing goes wrong. It doesn't mean that God wants to harm us. But it also doesn't mean that God always gets his own way. Did you know this? That God doesn't always get what he wants. 
He's sovereign. He's all-powerful. He's the king of heaven and earth. There's nothing he cannot do. But he doesn't always get what he wants. For example, it says in the Bible that God is not willing for any to perish. But we know that some will. It says that God is not willing for any of us to sin so that sin wounds and harms our own lives and the lives of those around us. But we know that that does happen. So it doesn't mean that God always gets what he wants because he's sovereign and powerful and he desires better things for us. He doesn't always get his own way. And yet he is all-powerful and sovereign. So it doesn't mean that just because God is powerful and sovereign, he's kind of micromanaging every moment and incident of our lives. But it does mean that he wants to be involved in every incident of our lives, bringing good through it and his purpose through all situations, whether they're brilliant or challenging. He doesn't withdraw us from the world and its troubles. He says, in this world you'll have trouble. Chill out, don't worry, I've overcome the world. I'm with you and I can work in you and through you. It doesn't mean that God stops every distressing and heartbreaking situation. But what it does mean that he is with us in it and he can work in us and through us and do something amazing in us and through us for the benefit of our own lives and the benefit of others. It does mean, this verse does mean that he wants to bring good in all situations through us for our well-being and the well-being of others. It does mean that he's looking for every opportunity no matter what situation you're in, no matter how challenging, no matter how despairing, he's looking for every opportunity to bless you in it, to guide you and lead you in it, to be intimately involved with you and to share the moment and the difficulty and the blessings with you. It's what fellowship is called. You know, it says we have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Fellowship basically means to share, to have something in common. And the Lord, your Father, your God, who loves you intimately, he's looking for every single opportunity, every single opportunity to bless you and help you in all of the challenges and share it with you. And get involved with you so that something transformational takes place in your life that will do you good, grow you, help you, bless you, and through that be a blessing to others. Now, I didn't know, Beth, you prophetic person, you. I didn't know that you were going to put that verse up on this morning about the Lord's Prayer because as I was going through my notes last night, I just felt in the Holy Spirit to add an extra verse that I hadn't put in when I had prepared the talk and finished the talk. And so as I was just going through it and doing the final editing, and when I mean editing, I don't mean adding things, I mean spell check so I can read this. But I felt a prompting of the Holy Spirit, and this is what I felt I should put in just to enforce what I'm talking about here. Even though I walk through the valley 
that's a low place. Of the shadow of death, that's a dark place. You are with me. You are sharing it with me. You are walking with me. You're every step of the way. And your rod and your staff, your presence, your power, your authority, your heart, comfort me. And your goodness and mercy will follow me. And even in the presence of my enemies, even in the presence of things that I feel threatened about, and threaten my well-being and security, even in the presence of my enemies, you lay a table before me, a banquet that is there to strengthen and nourish me and give me joy and be a provocation and a notice to the threat before me. Well done, Beth, for putting that in this morning. And our collaboration is a key part of God's hope-filled future coming to pass and streaming down into our life. Now, it's very interesting, and I hope you're going to be encouraged by this, but just before God gives Israel this verse, I know the plans I have for you in a desperate situation, in a place they don't want to be, he instructs his people how to create the environment for their well-being, blessing, and flourishing. He says, I want you to create an environment where I can bless you and bring this to pass in your life. So what does he say to them? Just a few verses, actually three verses, before that amazing famous verse. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to you. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And then he says one or two things, and then he says, for I know the plans I have for you. And he unpacks that whole thing. So here's some practical instructions how we can collaborate with God to create an environment, no matter what situation we're in, and it was a desperate one for Israel, a heartbreaking one, an environment, a culture in which God's good purposes can come to pass in our life. As we give ourselves to seek the well-being, the peace, the blessing, the good of the city in which God has placed us, or the town, or the village, or the street, or the neighborhood, we find ourselves in a place and in an environment, in a soil that can bring about our own flourishing. A tremendous example of this in Israel, in exile, in this context, is Daniel. Look at Daniel. He was uh, in Babylon, and he was serving the well-being of Babylon as using his gifts as an administrator, and he was serving the king of Babylon, the one who had taken him from Israel, and he was now a slave to. And as he began to serve the well-being of the king of Babylon and the people of Babylon, what happened to Daniel? He began to prosper and flourish and thrive, didn't he? He became such an influential individual. And though he had challenges in of all that journey, I mean, he did get thrown into a lion's den. 
because of jealousy, but God delivered him and delivered him and was faithful to him. And at the end of it all, he began to prosper. Do you see as he sought the good of Babylon and as he sought the good of the king, as he didn't live just for in his own close world, he created an environment around him where he prospered. Think of somebody else. I know. Think of um, Joseph. Joseph, he was sold into slavery, ripped out of his loving parents' hand, expelled by his brothers. And what did he do? He served the well-being of Potiphar. And then when he got into prison, because it all went wrong, he served the well-being of the prison guard. And in due course, in Potiphar's house, everything flourished and he prospered. In, prison, in the prison, everything flourished and he prospered. And then when he came out of the prison, he served the well-being of Egypt, the land of his slavery and the king of Egypt, and he prospered and everything prospered because he was giving himself for the well-being of others. An environment was created that God could bring his good purposes and plans into his life and into others. Isn't this an amazing thing? So as we seek the good of the city and those in it, the same can happen for you and I. Even if that city or that town or that place or that job or that environment that you're in isn't your first choice, it's not your natural home, it's not your plan to be here, even if you're there like Israel because you've really messed up It was in that situation that the good intentions of God came. Oh, how gracious and good and kind and forgiving is God towards you and me. Oh, how even when we've messed up, there is still not a twinge of desire in his heart to harm us. So no matter how you found yourselves in your circumstance, by choice, design, mess up or mistake, as you give yourselves to the good of others, you create a fresh environment where God can bless you. God says as we seek the good of the city and others, he will work in and through our lives and he will see that good comes to us. So what are the instructions, practical things that we can just get started off in seeking the good of the city? Pray. Pray for the city. Pray to the Lord for the land in which you're in. Pray. And then it says, seek its peace. That means its safety from threat and harm. And seek its prosperity. Because if it prospers, you will. Now this may express itself in many different ways at many different times. But what could it mean for you and I here in Swansea today, in this environment? What could it look like? Well, I don't think we can ignore the coronavirus. It's very difficult to ignore it because as I look out and I just see masks, it's staring in your, in, you in the face, literally. Can't ignore it. So what does it mean? Pray. Well, let's be a people who pray for the well-being of our city and our nation, for its peace. In other words, the threat of coronavirus will stop. Let's pray to the Lord. 
Now, the medics are working hard. The government officials, the health people, they're working hard. Let's pray for them and let's pray for the Lord. So we have a miraculous intervention and we have a, a, a human intervention through the wisdom that God has given humanity in terms of medics and white wisdom. Pray for both. Right at the beginning of this uh, COVID lockdown situation, I felt the Lord put onto my heart to start this Wales on Wednesday prayer initiative. It was just an initiative through New Wine Cymru where it was calling the nation of Wales to stop at midday, midweek on a Wednesday for a moment. We're not looking at you to pray for hours, but just a moment, wherever you are to stop and for the coronavirus and God to intervene and save lives and rescue lives and help in Wales and the rest of the world. And I find it quite remarkable that Wales, out of all of the nations, <laughs> have done quite well, isn't it? I mean, you know, we have got off pretty lightly in comparisons, both in terms of lockdown and in terms of the devastating effect of this virus. Let's continue to pray. Seek the peace and the safety. We can pray for a vaccine, pray for protection, pray for wisdom, pray for grace to obey the guidelines. It takes grace to obey. Yes, doesn't it? it takes grace to obey. It's all very well saying, obey the guidelines. But if there is something in you that cannot or won't, that's a problem. So we need God to give grace to the nation and to us all to obey. And grace to live in a way that keeps us free from the threat and harm and others. What will that include? Social distancing. Keeping to your bubble. Obeying the guidelines. Remembering the poor. Remember the poor. Reach out to the fearful and the lost. Those people, there's a lot of people who are so frightened about this coronavirus like that because they're frightened of getting sick and they're frightened of dying and they don't know where they're going to go. There's a lot of fear. But we have been set free from the fear of death. And we can reach out and help people. To seek the good of the city is to reach out with prayer for the poor. To live wisely, obey the government guidelines. And to share our faith because there's fear in the hearts of so many. And we can live for the benefit of others. To love our neighbor and seek the good of others. To seek God's rule and blessing, come to others and our cities. And as we do, God says, because he said this, as you do this, three verses later he says, and I know the plans I have to you. And, and what you will do are directly create an environment where you can flourish and my plans can come to pass that will prosper you and be good for you and they will unfold through you. Jesus summed it up the same thing. It's amazing how the Old Testament and New Testament come together. Jesus summed it up, and I'll wrap it up, and I'll sum it up with this as well. Do not worry what you shall eat or what you shall drink or what you shall wear, for the pagans run after these things. If your heavenly Father knows you need them, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all the blessings and the good things and the needs and the kindness and the goodness of God will come to you. Seek first God's love and rule in your life, where he's placed you, and the rest will follow. Partly, 
because God will care for you directly and personally and partly because we've created the environment where we can flourish, thrive through obedience to God's wisdom. Can I encourage you that there isn't a morsel in God's heart where he wants to harm you, but he is full and busting to bless you and be good to you and help you. And as we collaborate with God, we can create the environment for ourselves and others and we can see him bring to pass his desires for us, which I know are your desires as well. God bless you this week. And uh, God willing, we'll see you next week too. Please stand and I'll pray for you. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your clapping. <laughs> Put your hands up. Father, I want to thank you for these wonderful people. I love them, but I know that you, gosh, you love them so much. And your heart is full, 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 full and overflowing with thoughts that if we could capture them, we would say, Lord, the good thoughts of God towards us are overwhelming like David did. And I pray that through these words of wisdom from you, these wonderful scriptures that your spirit will breathe faith and grace into every heart here and those at home that we may have peace and that we may collaborate with you and that through our lives and our prayers and the little seeds that we sow, we become environment changers, climate changers, in the spirit and create an environment for us and others to flourish and position ourselves in faith where your good plans can cause us to thrive. Give grace to everyone, Lord, I pray. When there's times of anxiety, may your peace abound. When there's times of mental uncertainty, May your reassurance surge through the power of your spirit and words in hearts and minds. Where there's physical weakening, weakness, may you sustain bodies and bring healing and strength. Where there's fear over finances, may you just provide in unusual and grace-filled ways that our hearts abound with gratitude and thankfulness to you. And may we be generous towards you and towards one another and towards the city in which you've placed us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. <laughs>